says in Exodus 4.16 to Moses, you will serve as a God to him. So, and him was a God, and him was God makes a big difference in the final result. And how this translation came about, came about? I think when the translators try to translate original manuscripts, they translate what is available to them based on what they feel is the truth. So people who are Trinitarian translate this verse as, as the word was God. Whereas the, New, the Unitarian Christians, they translate it as the word was a God. That is fine. But then if a person uses his personal understanding to translate a text, then he cannot use his text to prove his theology, because that is called circular reasoning in logic. Let us take another verse, where it says in John 20, 28, an answer, Thomas said to him, meaning he said to Jesus after Jesus came to the disciples in his risen body, he said, my Lord and my God. So now Thomas is addressing Jesus as my God. Does that make Jesus one person of the Trinity? We have to ask ourselves these questions. Did Thomas believe that Jesus was one person of a triune God? In order to answer this question, we need to view how the Bible uses the term God. People of high authority are given the title God. For example, in Deuteronomy 10.17, it says, For the Lord your God is God of gods. And in Psalm 82.1, in the middle of the gods, he judges. And in John 10.35, now Jesus speaking, he says, As you know, that the scripture cannot be changed. So if these people who received God's message were called gods, then why would it be blasphemy for me to be called the Son of God? So Jesus here is making a point to the Pharisees that people who are received the message of God are called gods. That does not make them part of gods. And Jesus who received the message from his Father, that the, he, if he is called the Son of God, that does not mean he is part of God. No one should understand that he was saying he is part of God. And Jesus himself said in John 17:3 that they might know you, you refers to his father, where he says, my father and your father, my Lord and your Lord, that they might know you the only true God. So Jesus, he says that the only true God is his Lord, his father. So then, when we look at John 20:28. 20, and we understand that Thomas is saying to him, My God, does Thomas at that time, uh, did he understood that Jesus was one person of the Trinity? I doubt it, because it says in John, also in John here it says, people of high authority, or the paraphrasing, people who receive the message of God are called gods. And John understood that, otherwise he would not put it in his gospel. Therefore, John 28 is translated in the New Living Translation that it says, My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. 
You know, when you see something of I, you say, my God, that does not mean you are calling that thing to be your God. Let's move to Romans 9, 5. It says, of Christ who is God over all forever praise. That is a translation. Another translation, and this is the revised standard version, it says, and of their race according to the flesh is the Christ. Period. God who is over all be blessed forever. So one translation is translated to give us the understanding that Jesus is God. Another translation is translated in a way that gives us the understanding that Jesus is not. And even if Jesus is called God, that does not make him one person of the Trinity, because according to the biblical language, people of high authority are given the title God. Another verse, we find it in Hebrew 108. It says, But about the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. And this verse also translated in the New World Translation and the New Revised Standard. But with reference to the Son, God is your throne forever and ever. So again, the translations do not give us the same data. And if that is the case, we need to look at some biblical verses that really define for us the truth. And we take, for example, 43.10, Isaiah 43.10, it says, Before me there was no God formed, neither shall be after me, I even I am the Lord, all capital letters. And when you read the Bible and the word Lord is all capital, that means it refers to Yahweh, it refers to Jehovah. I am the Lord and beside me there is no Savior. So this is an explicit statement. In Galatians 3, 2 it says, but God is one. And in 1 Corinthians 8, 4 it says, there is no God but one. And in 1 Corinthians 8, 6, it says, There is only one God, the Father. And that is the writing of Paul. There is only one God, the Father. Remember, Paul never heard of the term Trinity. And in John 4, 23, Jesus said, True worshippers will worship the Father. In Matthew 6, 9, it says, Pray to the Father. And when Jesus was tempted by Satan, he said to him, Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, For the scriptures say, You must worship the Lord your God. Worship only Him. So which scripture Jesus was referring to? I would believe He was referring to the scripture that you find in Deuteronomy 6.4 where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. So all of those are explicit statements. And to say that Jesus is equal to God runs contrary with John 5.9 where it says, The Son can do nothing of Himself but what He sees the Father do. Having said that, the work of Dan Brown and the work of other authors, historians, and investigators give us the opportunity to examine what we believe in. We as human beings have the tendency to accept the belief system that is passed down to us 
without troubling ourselves to, un- to investigate it is authenticity. Therefore, Bamberg Gascony, a historian, and he has a book called Christianity and History, said, Most Christians today accept the Trinity without troubling themselves too much over the details. Something so long established can be treated as a piece of sublime mysticism. And then he went on to say, the 4th century produced the basic formula that there were three divine persons in one divine essence. But also this formula did not stop many of the arguments and many of the theological arguments between theologians concerning the reality of Jesus. Therefore you have the Menephysite Christians, the Nestorian Christian, the Jacobite Church, all of them disagree concerning the nature of Jesus. But in my humble opinion, I believe that God in His providential care brought about the tremendous success of the novel and the movie to stir our interest in the truth for us to do our part in investigating what we believe in in order to arrive to the truth. But bear in mind as you are hearing me saying those words what Allah, God, Jehovah said in the Quran in 5.48 For each we have appointed a divine law and a style. Had Allah willed, He could have made you one religion, but He did not, in order to test you in which He has given to you, so vie with one another in good works. Unto Allah will all return, and He will then inform you of that wherein you used to differ about. I'm not suggesting that they are truths as much as they are truth seekers, but the truth seekers may not arrive to the same conclusion. Therefore, we all should endeavor to honor God, regardless of our perception of the identity of God. And in doing so, we will generate a great environment for tolerance. And this tolerance is something that we all can use. And this attitude promotes for us an environment that we can share what we believe in and then depart as friends. Having said that, I would like to mention to you what the Quran says about Jesus. But before I do that, I would like to share with you some information about the Quran, some information about the authority of the Quran, if I may. What is the Quran? The Quran is Allah's spoken words that were revealed to Muhammad through Archangel Gabriel. It's the oral communication from God to the human being Muhammad through Archangel Gabriel. The way I can think about it in our computer terminology that Gabriel is the modem. And God downloaded the Qur'an to the heart of the Prophet, peace be upon him, using the modem Gabriel. And now in the term of internet and downloading information, we all can relate to that. So God downloaded his oral communication to the heart of the Prophet, peace be upon him. It says in 26.193, the trustworthy spirit has brought it down onto your heart that you may be of the warner. The Quran is Allah's spoken words that He spoke and Angel Gabriel transmitted what God said 
to Muhammad, peace be upon him. And I would like you to understand that because the definition of the Qur'an is different than the definition of the Bible. You may be familiar with the Bible as God's words. But according to Christian theology, every book of the Bible is a human composition. But it was superintended by the Holy Spirit. And it's not the oral communication of God. It says in Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And the Greek word is yastis theos. Yastis means breathed theos, God. That God breathed. Which means they think that God communicated his mind to the people, or those people put it in writing in their own personal style, superintended by the Holy Spirit. That is the definition of the words of God concerning the Bible. Concerning the Quran, when we say the Quran is the words of God, that means God conveyed his speech. This is the oral communication of God. Muhammad, before he was commissioned as a messenger of God, he would meditate in a cave in the mountains of Mecca. At one time, when he was meditating and reflecting on the creations of the universe, angel Gabriel appeared to him in the shape of a man and he said to him what God, what is reported in 96, 1 to 5, Read in the name of your Lord who created. He created man from a clot. Read and your Lord is the most generous. Who taught man with a pen. Taught man what he knew not. And the Quran is made of 114 chapters. And these chapters vary in length, style and theme. Each chapter bears a title. And the chapters are not named after their authors. Because the author of the Qur'an is God. So you have like the chapter of the cow, the chapter of Mary, the chapter of Noah. That does not mean the author of these chapters are Mary or Noah. The author of the whole Qur'an is God. He revealed it to the Prophet, peace upon him, and the Prophet memorized it. So let me talk to you a little bit about the authenticity of the Qur'an. The messenger memorized the Qur'an. It was encrypted in his heart. He recited God's words to his disciples. They also memorized the revelation. Simultaneously, the revealed verses were committed to writing on letters and other materials that were available to them. And pay attention, they did not write it themselves as composing. They just committed to writing what was what they had memorized. At the time of the death of the messenger, many people had memorized the Qur'an by heart, and the first caliph ordered all the written materials to be made into one book. And from that book, many copies were made. And the Qur'an has been passed down generation after generation through memorization and written documents. And the Qur'an has been with the Muslims throughout the history of Islam. And like the Bible, for the great majority of the history of Christianity, the Bible were only for the elite people. And the masses did not have any access to the Bible. But in Islam, every child had access to the Qur'an, and people will memorize the Qur'an from cover 
to cover. And that is so amazing because Allah Himself, and when I use the term Allah, it refers to Jehovah. Allah is not a different God than Jehovah. Allah and Jehovah are synonyms. Just like you read in the Bible about David and you read in the Quran about Dawood. Dawood and David are synonyms. So God refers to himself in the Hebrew language as Yahweh, Jehovah, and in the Arabic language as Allah. And both terms means the Lord. God says in the Quran, we have brought it down the remembrance and we shall preserve it. So what does God tell us in the Qur'an? What are the topics of the Qur'an? The Qur'an is a book of guidance, spiritual healing, physical healing, mercy, and light. It says in 2.2, this is the scripture whereof there is no doubt a guidance unto the pious. It says in 1057, humanity, mankind, there has come to you indeed an advice from your Lord and in healing for that which is in the chest and a guidance and a mercy for the believers. Also it says in 17.9, surely this Quran guides to that which is most upright and give good news to the believers who do good deeds that they shall have a great reward. It says also in 64.8, So believe in Allah and His Messenger and the light which He has revealed. And it says in 42.52, And thus we have revealed to thee, Muhammad, a spirit of our command. So God refers to the Quran as a spirit because just like your body, your physical body need a spirit to be alive, your spiritual body need a spirit to be alive. The Quran tells us the story of existence, how God created Adam, how Satan tempted him and his wife. It tells us the story of Noah and the flood, the story of Abraham, Moses, Jonah, Jesus and Mary. And God tells us about Himself in the Qur'an, His nature, His character, what He does and what He does not do. I would like to avail for you a resource. If you go to this website, it's called loveallah.net and you go to who is Allah, I put over there all the Qur'anic verses in which God spoke about Himself. And you can read on and on. Again, the name of the website is loveallah.net. You go to who is Allah link and click on where it says know Allah from his words. And you can read the words of God in which he is communicating to you who he is, what he does and what he does not do. And Allah tells us about heaven and hell. And when it comes to heaven and hell, God paints for us on the pages of the Qur'an many graphic scenes of heaven and hell. And what is good for us, that the good advice of the Qur'an helps you as a person living in our society or wherever you may be, to better manage your finances, that is a good thing to do, to better parent your children, it helps you to understand life, to be a better husband, to be a better wife, to be a better son, to be a better daughter. And the Quran answers difficult questions pertaining to human free will versus God's eternal destiny. That is a very important question. The human free will versus God's 
eternal destiny. The Quran answers for us this very important question. I'm not going to share with you today this answer, but maybe through your reading you will discover it. Also, it reconciles the perceived conflict between the fact that God is a good God, nevertheless, He allowed many evil things to happen. So the Quran reconciles this perceived conflict. Also in the Quran, there's many miraculous aspects to the Quran. It has a literary style that is unique to it. It's not poetry, nor it is prosaic. It has a unique style to it. It's a divine style. The Arabs then were very advanced in their poetic abilities. A person who writes a nice poem, they will take that poem that is written in leather and they will hang it on the walls of the Kaaba. And God, Allah, challenged the Arabs then, and the challenge is still in effect now, to produce one chapter that is comparable to the Qur'an. And no one of them was able to meet that challenge. God says in the Qur'an in 2.23, And if you are in doubt as to which we have revealed to our servant, then produce a chapter like it and call on all of your witnesses beside Allah if you are truthful. Also the Quran has many fulfilled prophecies. It says in 32, the Romans have been defeated in the nearer land and they after their defeat will be victorious within 10 years. You know, all of this event about Muhammad, peace be upon him, in Mecca and his struggle against the pagan was taking place in a little town in Mecca in the Arabic Peninsula with the Arabs and the Arabic tribes, whereas the big events and the big news was taking place between the Roman Empire and the Persian Empire. And nobody expected something is going to come out of there. And in that time, there was a war between the Roman Empire and the Persian Empire. And actually, the Persians were able to defeat the Romans in 1613. They defeated them the first time. They defeated them in Atanolia. And they were threatening Constantinople. The pagan Meccans say to the believers, just like those Persians defeated those Christians that they claim to be the people of God, we are going to defeat you because you are claiming to be the people of God. That's what they said. So God revealed this prophecy that even though the Romans have been defeated, they will be victorious within 10 years. And guess what? Within 10 years, the Romans defeated the Persians. And the second prophecy is that the believers in Mecca, after so many years, were able to defeat the pagans. So this is a fulfilled prophecy. Another fulfilled prophecy, you find it in 2859, where it says to the prophet, peace be upon him, who were forced to leave his hometown to go to Medina. And God revealed this verse, that, Verily, he who ordained the Qur'an unto thee, he will bring you back to the place of return. So when Muhammad was forced out of his town, God revealed to him a verse that he will bring him back home. And in doing so, Allah is putting the reputation of Muhammad on the line. Because people knew about this verse, it was not like a secretive verse. People read it and they 
incorporated in their daily prayers and daily recitation. And if this had not been fulfilled, that means the whole thing is a hoax. Right? But truly, Muhammad was brought back to Mecca when he was able to conquer Mecca. And when he did that, he forgave everybody who persecuted him. And he said, you are free people. There are other prophecies about certain individuals that God revealed Quran telling us that these people will not believe. One of them is the uncle of the Prophet, peace be upon him. What is his name? Uh, Abu Lahab. We all know about him. This uncle of the Prophet, when the Prophet came and he said, I am the Prophet of God and this and that, he told him, May you perish. This is why you are gathering us here. And then God immediately revealed a verse that this person will perish and his hand will perish too. And now God is putting the reputation of the message on the line. Because think about it. God is saying this person will not believe. And had this person believed, that means this Quran is not authentic. So if Abu Lahab was smart, he would say, no, no, I was going to believe to prove you wrong. But he never was smart enough. He insisted being a pagan, and he never believed. And that proves the authenticity of the Qur'an and the prophecies contained in the Qur'an. The Qur'an also for the modern man has many scientific facts about talking about the embryonic development. It talks about the mountains, the earth formations, and this a wealth of information regarding the scientific Quranic verses that are prove that proves the authenticity of the Quran. I would advise you to go to the miracles of the Quran dot com and you can read on and on and on and you compare for yourself. So this is just a, a basic humble rundown concerning the authenticity of the Qur'an. So the Qur'an with that being what I have said to you has authority. And now I would like to share with you what God said in the chapter of Mary concerning Mary and Jesus, peace be upon him. It says, relate in the book the story of Mary when she withdrew from her family to an eastern place. She screened herself from them. Then we sent unto her our spirit, and it assumed for her the likeness of a perfect man. She said, I seek refuge in the merciful from you, so leave me if you should be pious. He said, I am only a messenger of your Lord to grant you a pure boy. She said, how can I have a son when no human has ever touched me and I am not a harlot? He said, so shall it be, your Lord says, it's easy for me, and that we may make him a sign to mankind and a mercy from us. And it's a matter which has been decreed. So she conceived him, then withdrew herself with him to a remote place. The pains of childbirth drove her to the trunk of a palm tree. She said, I wish I had died before this and was a forgotten trivial matter. Then he called her from beneath her, saying, Do not grieve. Your Lord created under you a rill, 
and shake towards you the trunk of a palm tree. It will drop on you fresh, ripe dates. So eat and drink and be contented. And when you see any human say, Surely I have vowed a fast to the merciful, so today I shall not speak to any human. Then she went to her people carrying him. They said, O Mary, surely you have done an evil deed. O sister of Aaron, your father was not a wicked man, nor was your mother a harlot. But she pointed to him. They said, How can we talk to the child in the cradle? He said, Surely I am a slave of Allah. He has given me the book and made me a prophet. And he has made me blessed wherever I may be. And he has enjoyed upon me prayer and almsgiving so long as I remain alive and dutiful to my mother. And he has not made me a wretched tyrant. Peace on me the day I was born and the day I will die and the day I shall be raised alive. Such was Jesus, the son of Mary, a statement of truth about which they remain in dispute. It's not befitting to Allah that he should beget a son. Glory be to him. When he decrees a matter, he only says to it, be, and it is. And indeed, Allah is my Lord and your Lord, so worship him. This is the right path. And indeed, Allah is my Lord and your Lord. And the Bible says, it's my God and your God. Hopefully, that will bring to us some information about Jesus, peace be upon him, in our attempts to honor God and to live a life of loyalty and obedience to our Creator. That has been my presentation to you. I hope that it was of benefit to all of us. And I praise God who allowed us in his providential care to meet and gather here this afternoon. Thank you.